This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Fitz goes up and makes the game-winning catch! Larry Legend does it again! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Here we go. This is it. Caught by Kirk at the 20, at the 10. Touchdown! Oh, baby! How's that fail? Here's Craig Grealou, Mike Jarecki, and Bertrand Berry. Well, it was certainly nice to sit back and watch everyone else play on Sunday. Now, though, it's time to get back to work a day later, yes, than normal. But, folks, November 3rd was such an important day. Wanted to make sure everyone had the opportunity to have their voice heard. We rejoin you here on this Wednesday. Cardinals Red Sea Reports as we now shift our focus to Week 9 and the Miami Dolphins. But, gentlemen, before we go even any further, we do need to update all of the Cardinal fans about what has happened with this team since the weekend. Devon Kennard, Byron Murphy, both placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury announced this morning that neither will play this week. Hopefully, maybe get back next week for that Buffalo game. So, right now, keeping our fingers crossed and our thoughts and prayers with both Kennard and Murphy, as well as their families. Certainly unfortunate news, MJ, but hey, this is something that Kingsbury had mentioned even on the back of offseason and training camp. This was something that every team was going to have to deal with. It's how you overcame that or how you dealt with it, and that would determine whether you were able to get through the season where you wanted to be. Yeah, you know, initially, when you if you go back to training camp, he did say there's going to be positive tests. Now, he said, obviously, we're going to follow protocols, and the organization's done a great job. Um, unfortunately, it, it it's going to happen, and, you know, the good news is uh, the players uh, are feeling better, and it looks like they could be back for next week, and, you know, it's always about safety first, and so... Uh, the Cardinals feel comfortable, um, you know, going into this game now. We're going to get into it, though. You are losing two starters uh, on the football aspect. But the good news is um, there has been no other positive cases at the facility, so business as usual. But, um, again, we knew it was going to happen. Unfortunately, it did happen. The X's and O's aspect of this B-Train, let's first touch on Kennard. You're losing an outside edge rusher, and it just so happens that the Cardinals will gain an edge rusher with the acquisition of Marcus Golden officially back with the team. He practiced on Monday, and right now you would assume that he gets that spot opposite Hassan Reddick. Yeah, and looking at what what they've lost already in Chandler Jones, an outside rusher, you definitely wanted to have as many as you could possibly have going into this game against Miami. But uh, this is something that I'm actually surprised that it took this long to actually hit the Arizona Cardinals. When you have this COVID situation that has taken on the entire world, uh, you, you just wondered not if but when. And I think the fact that we got so late into the season before the Cardinals were affected by it on the field, I think that just shows what great job the NFL and particularly the Cardinals have done to try to curtail uh, this, this, this virus. And so uh, you, you hate to see anybody go out, but you at the same time knew that this was going to happen. And I think for for Devon and, and for Marcus, he's going to get a lot of reps 
uh, as soon as he touches the field. And I think that's kind of what he was looking for uh, with this fresh start here back with his old team. In fact, Corey Peters on Monday thought that they would be even more positive tests than that they've already been so far across the league. But as Calvin Beecham mentioned, next man up. So Marcus Golden gets that spot. And then when you look at trying to fill Murphy's shoes, MJ, the Cardinals do have a number of options. Kingsbury brought up Kevin Peterson. That seems the most likely person to fill that slot corner position. Don't forget the team did add Devontae Bosby late last week, so you have another cornerback in that room as well. Yeah, and then you look at you know the situation with Drake or Patrick, so I mean, it, obviously the slot position is going to be important because uh, we know that Byron Murphy was making strides and you know he, he's helped his team uh, have a couple good wins in, in the fourth quarter, so um, yeah, he mentioned Kevin Peterson um, you know, Chase Whitaker is another guy that, you know, he obviously doesn't have a lot of experience, but he does play the slot better than the outside. We'll see what they decide to do over the weekend. Uh, Bosby's a guy who's got good speed. Um, he's got good length and size, so there's flexibility there. Um, and the good news is Jalen Thompson's returning. So that's going to settle on that secondary, and that means, you know, you're going to have your starting safeties in Buda Baker and uh, obviously Thompson, and then Deontay Thompson, I think he's played better, but uh, obviously not ideal, but I do think they have bodies, and one thing we've learned from this team, guys, is other guys have stepped up. It hasn't been the all five-star players. Other players have opportunities. Isaiah Simmons, yes, small sample. Dennis Gardeck, Tanner Vallejo. So I think they're hoping that that happens in this next game. Quick note on Whitaker. He's on the practice squad, as is Prince Amukamara. So a roster move would have to be made, or they would have to be elevated this weekend in order to play on Sunday. But it's all about, as you, MJ, said, next man up, making sure everyone has the necessary reps and the events that COVID-19 has hit this team, and that's exactly what has happened. Kingsbury brought that up earlier today. We definitely took that into account um, all off-season leading up to it. You know, how are we going to make sure those guys were getting more reps and, and whether it's keeping more practice squad guys locked in, ready to go. Um, for the most part, it's, it's you know, you, you still have limited reps with the number of guys you have, but we've made sure in walkthroughs more than anything, those guys have been getting more um, attention and more meaningful reps in our systems and not just the scout team looks. Now, with respect to coverage and that slot corner, B-Train, Kingsbury was asked and did acknowledge that perhaps different personnel groups, maybe a Devondre Campbell and Isaiah Simmons, not a lot, but they do have that length and athleticism to where maybe they would be asked to cover. What do you think about that offense or that perhaps option, especially considering the last time we saw Simmons play defense, he picked off Russell Wilson? Well, you know, now he has confidence in knowing that he can go out there and make a play when his number's called. So if you're Vance Joseph, you feel a little more comfortable putting him out there knowing that he can go out and, and get the job done. It's still going to be a work in progress. You're still going to have to, to live with some mistakes because he is still a rookie and, and rookies are prone to make mistakes. And so you just want to make sure that you limit that by not giving him too much to think about out there on the field. And, of course, with Devondre Campbell, we know he's had a – Great start to the season, and, and, and when he's been on the field, he's been very, very productive for this football team, and they're very happy to have brought him in over from Atlanta. So I don't think that they're going to switch up anything that they do. For me, I look at Coach Joseph and what he did in the second half against that Seattle offense and Russell Wilson. I think that sparked something inside of him, and I think the team responded, and I think you'll see a little bit more aggressive play calls, if you will, and, and, and not necessarily blitzes, but – 
trying to bring pressures in ways that maybe the offense don't expect him to bring it. So that was last week. A great feeling going into the bye week. This team 5-2 and two on a three-game winning streak. They are 2-0 and oh in the division, second place behind the Seahawks in the NFC West. And we know, MJ, that this team a year ago coming off the bye did not respond very well. Perhaps maybe their worst game of 2019, losing to the Rams, and it wasn't very close. The final score, 34-7, but even that was not indicative of what we saw from the Cardinals. And all we heard last week going into that four-day break that the players had Thursday through Sunday, and then again on Monday, was make sure you maintain focus so we can continue this stretch of positive play and hopefully get another win coming up this weekend. Yeah, that, that was a point of emphasis, you know, last year after the bye week. And, and obviously Kingsbury must have went back to the drawing board and said, I'm going to approach it a little bit different. I think there's more trust and accountability in that locker room. Uh, the team is winning. Um, it, I think the bye came at a good time just based on the injuries they've had. And obviously you want to keep playing, but uh, the fact is the next two games are at home. But um, I expect this team to be a lot different than a year ago. Again, um, there's continuity, there's chemistry, but they trust each other. And Kyler Murray, um, you know, he was the first to say that, you know, we're not going to treat the bye week like a year ago. So they're out to win every single game they play for the remainder of the season. B-Tran, I want to get your thoughts on this topic as well. But first, let's hear from Kyler Murray. This was immediately after the game against the Seahawks on how he would approach the bye week. I'm a year more mature. You know, this is year two for me, so understanding uh, what, what happened last year, what I did last year, uh, for me, there is no bye week. Uh, last year, you know, we kind of treated it as if there was a bye week. This year, uh, you know, head stays down. I'm going to keep at it, um, you know, be ready to come back and lead these guys. Certainly the right attitude to take, be trained, yet at the same time, it is human nature to kind of, hey, we've got this break, let me take a little bit, some time off, and then get refocused. But as we saw a year ago, this team was not able to handle that. And you saw young guys in, in positions of influence not handle that offseason very well, and, and I think that was a great lesson for everybody, not just the players themselves, but also the front office and, and how they're going to structure the, the, the bye week. And, and I think Coach Kingsbury and company have learned from the error of their ways because they all were learning. I mean, there were, there were rookies, the quarterback rookies and the coaching staff. I mean, so there were lots of people learning on the fly, and I think you can't help but be better this time around. And, and to hear Kyler speak that way, it, it gives you a sense of relief knowing that, okay, he's a guy that, that's not prone to make the same mistake twice. And now that he can learn from that, that previous mistake, I think he comes back focused. I think he comes back ready to go. And I think they come out of this bye week hitting the ground running. And I think for Miami, that spells doom, particularly because they're going to be playing at home. And so uh, I look forward to seeing this team go out and, and, and execute very, very well on all three sides of the ball. You know, the thing this year, guys, is, uh, you know, players weren't allowed to travel. So they were tested daily from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And we heard from a couple of players earlier in the week. And then from that standpoint, when they go to the facility, uh, hey, I'm going to work out. I'm going to watch a little film. So players were actually at the facility knowing that they can just go in there and take their test and leave. Again, when you're winning and you want to continue winning and you got a couple home games coming up, again, I think the commitment's there and the trust value's there. 
And I think when you hear Murray say a year more mature, you know what it takes to be successful at this level. And I think we've seen that on the field as well as far as how he has played. Yeah, he's turned the ball over, but by and large, he is certainly doing very very well here through the first seven games of 2020. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury on just that. I feel like the the game has definitely slowed down for him. And I think when you look at the, the sack numbers at this time this year as opposed to last year, I mean, the yardage, the lost yardage from sacks is incredible how much we've reduced it. And that's a credit to him and our offensive line and how they're playing. But I do think he's picking the right moment. So his decision making will continue to progress. But I, I just think overall the game has slowed down for him a lot. He's only been sacked, talking about Kyler Murray, MJ, nine times. And I think, one, that's a credit to the offensive line. And then, two, Murray knowing not to take the negative plays. And, hey, let's we can throw the ball out of bounds. And instead of a second and 15 or 17, it's just going to be second and 10. Yeah, and you also got to give Cliff credit because that's the way he's calling the game. And I think he's had more design runs in, in the uh, you know the first seven games than maybe he had the entire season last year. I mean, it seems that way. So it's a downward trickle effect, and you got to give the offensive line credit. There's a reason why this team lines up and runs the football. Obviously, we'll see the difference without Kenyon Drake, but they're winning at the line of scrimmage. He's not getting hit as much, and he's learning um, to look, you know, go through his progressions. Maybe in week one he was locking on hop because he wasn't being covered, but he's going through his progressions. I, I get the impression when Kirk's on the field, there's more balance in this offense, so he's not making the same mistakes he was making a year ago. What have you seen B-Train out of Kyler Murray here in the seven games? I've just seen a, a mature quarterback, a guy that, that understands what his role is on the team and, and what it takes in order for this, this team to be successful. He understands that you can't take those negative plays that Mike just talked about. You can't run around all day and thinking that you can outrun these defensive linemen because some of them are as good an athletes as he is. And just to have an overall feel for how the NFL game is played, uh, you, you should be better than what you were from last year and you should learn because if you haven't then that's an absolute problem and that should be addressed as soon as possible so I think for Kyler he's seeing the field a lot differently of course having much better weapons at his disposal consistently obviously helps and I think he's uh, taking that next step in the right direction and, and I think the record is indicative of his maturity and also his growth yeah when you hear the head coach say that the game's slowing down for him they must see something on film, and that's you know that takes time. I'm not saying that he's not going to recognize a defense he hasn't noticed before, but he's IDing the Mike linebacker. He's obviously looking at the matchups on the outside. That can go a long way for any young quarterback. His numbers through seven games: 67% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He has lost one fumble, but bottom line is his team. He's helped lead his team to a five and two record update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The app features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. When we come back, Mike Jarecki just alluded to it. Kenyon Drake, well, if he's unable to go this week, welcome Chase Edmonds. We'll talk about the Cardinals ground game on the other side here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Chase Edmonds in the backfield with Murray. Third down and one of the 29. Four receiver set. 
shotgun snap. It's a run play right side. Big hole Edmonds, 25-20, 10-5 touchdown. The inside zone being run and Chase Edmonds found the hole and to the house, baby. 29-yard touchdown run on third down and one for Chase Edmonds. All four of Chase Edmonds' touchdowns at MetLife, 20 yards or longer. Edmonds loves that stadium. Remember what he did a year ago when he got the start against the New York Giants. That play earlier this week when the Cardinals beat the Jets by the score of 30-10. to Edmonds, his one and only touchdown so far this season. As we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report, Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. And let's touch on this ground game, gentlemen. B-Train, what you've seen from Chase Edmonds. Everyone, it's almost like the backup quarterback. Everyone loves the backup, but there is a difference when you see Chase Edmonds on the field, and it's nothing against the Kenyon Drake, but Edmonds just runs the ball a little bit different, and sometimes it's hard to explain, but he does explode, especially when he has those rushing lanes as he has for much of his carries this season. And I think it's, it's, it's a unique situation because I don't think a lot of people in that organization view Chase Edmonds as a backup. I think they view him as a co-starter. You see the, the, the difference that he brings as far as the energy level and the running style uh, when he comes into the game. And, and it seems as if they don't miss a beat when he comes in for Kenyon Drake. And so uh, it's, just a, it's just a testament to the depth that's built in that backfield. And, and when you have a two-headed monster like that, yeah, you want to give the, the majority of the carries to, to Kenyon Drake, but you, you definitely don't lose any ounce of sleep at all if you have to hand the ball up to Chase Edmonds because I believe in another situation, if Chase Edmonds were on another team, I think he would be a guy that would be viable to be a starter. So I, I look at what they have. They don't have the depth now, and so there's going to be more acts of Chase Edmonds. But to, to say that there's going to be any type of drop-off, I, I think that would be a mistake because uh, he's proven that he is more than capable of carrying the load for the Arizona Cardinals. Now you look at it, I mean, he's carried the ball 29 times for 176 yards, averaging 6-1, as Craig pointed out, one rushing touchdown. We know he's effective in the passing game. He's been 26 catches, over 200 yards. So he really has only touched the ball 55 times. You look at Kenyon Drake, just from a rushing aspect, he has 119 carries. So, um, you know, Cliff did mention it could be by committee. I think Craig alluded earlier in the week that who has the hot hand but obviously this is a great opportunity for Chase Edmonds listen a year from now he could be the number one back and the organization thinks that highly of him he's very good in between the tackles he also is 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 decent in pass protection and he can catch the ball out of the backfield so now the question becomes who backs him up now as we have this conversation here this Wednesday Drake has not officially been ruled out although Kingsbury on Monday said it was unlikely we saw him on the field and that just to have that statement considering how Drake left the field at State Farm Stadium in the Seahawks game towel over his head off a cart but just an ankle injury to where maybe since he wasn't placed on injured reserve that maybe he just misses one or two or even three weeks end of the season and he will be back sooner rather than later but certainly now everyone is focused on Edmonds and according to DJ Humphreys last week on the Big Red Rage Edmonds is not only impressing this season well, Humphreys knew all the way back when Edmonds was a rookie that he would be big. Big energy. 
Speaking of Justin, we all, me and Justin always joke around. You hear Chase before you see him. Every time you're going to hear him before you see him. <laughs> That's my guy there, though, man. He's always been a guy that football mattered most to him. That's one of the first things I realized about him as a rookie. You know, you could tell that he took this game serious. As offensive line, you see a, a rookie running back coming in, he's just as focused on picking up the, the blitzes as he is finding the hole. He found a special place in our heart quickly. B-Train, you have one of those teammates or maybe several teammates that you would always hear first before you saw them? <laughs> you absolutely know I have two teammates that were like that. There was a guy that used to wear the number 9-0 that would always be seen or heard before he was seen. And uh, throughout my career, there were always guys that were big personalities. And, and you, 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 you have to have those type of guys because they keep the mood light. They, they keep uh, everybody in good spirits and, and – um, it's always going to be a lightning rod for, for taking a temperature for the locker room because if those guys are happy and they're jovial, that means things are going well. And, and when things aren't, you're dependent on those guys to try to pick everybody up. So, yeah, there's always a place for those guys. You just have to, to make sure that, that they don't become too problematic. You know what I mean? You, you want to make sure that they are productive and not just being heard. And, and I think most of the guys that I've dealt with over my career – they definitely had the production as well as the volume. Of course, 9-0, a reference to Darnell Dockett, a larger-than-life figure and certainly a very, very good player on the field as well. Edmonds, though, what we saw from him, especially when Drake went out, MJ, was really impressive. He did not have a carry in that game, but then he touched the ball five times in the fourth quarter in overtime for 58 yards. It's almost 12 yards a carry, and, of course, he's always been involved in the receiving game. Yeah, and that's something that obviously, you know, Drake didn't have the same hands. And, you know, I think when you're on the field, you want to tip your hand. But they really didn't target Drake very much in the, in the passing game. And, you know, obviously they had David Johnson last year. Um, but, but, you know, when we look at the running game, and I, I try to mention it every time, we have to include Kyler Murray. Kyler murray he's got over 65 rushes. He's averaging six, seven yards a carry. Um, he's got seven rushing touchdowns, which is, you know, tops in the NFL for quarterbacks, and you can throw in running backs there. So now it's a matter of, you know, is it going to be Jonathan Ward, who's been active? Um, where's DJ Foster to mix? He's more of a special teams guy. And finally, maybe uh, they'll get a chance to see, you know, Benjamin. So how many running backs do they address on game day? But it's really going to be Edmonds and Murray, to me, the one-two punch. And Edmonds will... Right now, we assume, get the starts on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And, of course, Edmonds, huge in the Cardinals' win over the Seahawks. He talked about that postgame. Just a testimony to my hard work. I mean, I busted my ass this offseason, um, truly. You know, from the, from the start of before even COVID was beginning, I just kept working every single day. Me, Kirk, Trent, just, just working behind closed doors. Uh, you, you work like that for opportunities like this. Just to get that opportunity and seize it is just a testimony that hard work pays off, and uh, you never know when your time's going to come. 58 rushing yards, 87 receiving yards against the Seahawks. And, oh, by the way, he's also on the kick return, so better than 100 yards from scrimmage and then all-purpose yards as well, well above the century mark. This team, B-Train, is the number one offense as far as yards per game. And then when you look at the rushing attack, number two in yards per game and number two in yards per carry. And I think that doesn't get talked enough about. No, it doesn't. And I think when you start talking about yards accumulated, that just means opportunities to get first downs and time of possession. And that's the thing that is starting to 
really creep up and, and, and really show itself to be true why this team is 5-2 and two heading into the second half of the season. If you keep the ball away from opposing offenses and your defense is opportunistic and, and taking the ball away when they need to, then that, that's going to be a, a winning recipe. And, and that seems to work well for the 2020 version of the Arizona Cardinals. And, and uh, you, you look at uh, Kyler Murray and Mike talked about how his rushing is, is really big in this offense because you just don't know who's going to get the ball on a given play. Uh, that confusion and that, that one half-step of hesitation is all a Kyler Murray or a Chase Edmonds or a, a King and Drake need in order to bust through that hole and, and, and to make big plays. And so uh, I love the fact that, that Kingsbury keeps the defense guessing. He keeps them on their toes, and, and, and they have to play assignment football because otherwise you're going to see big runs, which we've seen a few of them already during the course of the season. And, of course, let's not forget about DeAndre Hopkins. Even without playing this past weekend, he still leads the league in both catches and receiving yards, and he's done that on 73 targets through seven games. Let's bring it back to the offense as a whole, though. DJ Humphreys, last week a guest on the Big Red Rage, likes what this offense has shown so far. It's hard to stop that run game when, when it's rolling right. We can hit you with the outside game. We can hit you inside game. We can go toss game. And then on the flip side, as soon as you, you think you got to stop, the run's covered up, you put D-Hop one-on-one, and then we bomb you. Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. We're, we're kind of in that space now. We're still figuring out the go-to bread and butter runs, but we're not coming into trouble because we have so much variety. What you say all the time, MJ, the run sets up the pass, and that's exactly what Humphreys just described. Yeah, and I don't think it's a surprise. It's not like they're doing it for three games during a winning streak. This goes back to last year, and they don't get enough credit until they put somebody in the Pro Bowl or, or All-Pro, and Humphreys obviously is playing at a Pro Bowl level right now. Um, but as a unit, they get it done. And Calvin Beecham, I mean, th- this guy hasn't given up a sack in a while. And, and you know, he was a late addition and great locker room guy. I like listening to him talk. You know, you look at Justin Murray, okay, and then you throw in Mason Cole. We're not talking about him as much. Justin Pugh. So, and the one thing, if you look at it, Craig, through eight weeks, the Cardinals quarterbacks have been hit 14 times. That is the number number one in the league when it comes to, obviously, numbers are lower. The team with the most quarterback hits, the Philadelphia Eagles, 76 in the Kyler Murray's only been sacked nine times. Yes, in this offense, the the run eventually will set up the pass and vice versa. Next-gen stats even went further. Murray is the least pressured quarterback in the league this season, and that speaks volumes about the offensive line because, B-Train, I know even on the defensive side, it always starts in the trenches, and it starts with that offensive line and the defensive line you got to be able to stop the run if you're a defensive player, and, and that's the quickest way to get yourself beat because if they can manhandle you up front, then they can do just about anything they want to do, and that just opens up the playbook. And, and as a defensive guy, you see seeing that opposing running back just run off you know, 7, 8, 10, 15 clip yards at a clip. Uh, that's demoralizing, and then you just get to a point where you, you just start to say no mas and, and you start to give in. And so uh, running the football is always going to be key, and that always starts with the big guys up front. And if uh, that, those big guys can win the line of scrimmage, then you're going to have a lot of success that day. We've heard players a couple of times either post-game or walking off the field saying on our terms, meaning winning the ball game on their terms, meaning it's the offense on the field running out the clock because you're gaining first down after first down, moving the sticks, moving the chains, and not allowing the opposing team to get back on the field. 
for a chance at a win. Five wins through seven games. They'll try to make it four straight wins this week against the Miami Dolphins. Subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, The Big One Rage, and, of course, this show, the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. We have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. When we come back, no B-Train, we have not ignored the defense. We'll talk about that side of the ball on the other side here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Play Wilson, quick throw to the near side, incomplete. Reddick had great coverage that time. Hassan Reddick continues to fall. Great job of covering them. That is big time. Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick seems to be just playing, not thinking anymore, just playing, and he, he looks like a different guy. Five-step drop. Wilson in trouble. Gets hit. Gets sacked. And guess who? Rising star Hassan Reddick is showing what he can do as a pass rusher. Hassan Reddick. Making a great play. He's got five sacks now on the year. Playing the position he played in college. 11 tackles, one sack, three tackles for loss, three quarterback hits. That's what Hassan Reddick did against the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. And you heard Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley talk about it. That's right. The five sacks for Reddick not only leads the team, B-Train, but tied for the sixth most in the NFL. And he's done that all in the last five to six games because, remember, he was on the bench and watching Chandler Jones. But once Jones got hurt, Reddick has stepped up and really balled out so far. He's taking the full advantage of the opportunity given. And, of course, you never want to have your opportunity at the expense of another teammate. But it is what it is, and, and they've asked him to go out and do the job, and, and he was ready for the moment. And, and you can't help but root for a guy like Hassan Reddick who – have been counted out, a former first-round pick, and, and getting an opportunity to play a position he's comfortable in. And um, you're seeing him blossom into a really good player. And, and I, I just think that uh, him having that, that confidence and getting that first play, a lot like what we saw with Isaiah Simmons, I think that's going to catapult him into having a big year. And I see him continuing this because uh, he does so many different things on the defensive side of the field. It's not just getting after the passer. He's, he's good in coverage and and he's all over the field making tackles. So uh, this has been a good year so far, and, and hopefully it continues. Yeah, in addition to the five sacks, nine quarterback hits, and three passes defense, he is certainly being able, showing the ability to get to the quarterback. But then as B-Train said, MJ, you're able to drop into coverage and help in that aspect. Yeah, and and I agree. You know, he, He's not thinking. He's much more comfortable. He'll be the first to tell you. He also has seven tackle for losses uh, from that standpoint. Uh, where he's not only just rushing the passer, he's helping uh, in the run game, you know, the run support. So, no, he's been a, uh, you know, a guy that you, you just didn't know, you know, how, how he was going to make the move. But clearly Vance Joseph saw that. Um, he admitted it's tough to play inside, knowing all the assignments, getting guys lined up here. It's more than just rushing the passer. He has assignments to time. He's got to contain. He's got to seal the edge. Um, but obviously the, they're, they're playing up to his skill set, and I think he's shown it on the field. Yeah, they ended that experiment of him playing inside last December, permanently moved him to outside linebacker, and has found a home, according to Patrick Peterson. The bottom line is Hassan was just trying to find his way, you know, you know, just trying to find a natural position 
for him to where he can just line up and play ball. You want to take the thinking out of the game. Now putting him in that natural position. Now now he's just lining up and playing football. So it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, Hassan has definitely found his home. B-Train, how much do we give you some of this credit for what we've seen out of Riddick? I know the two of you worked out a lot in the offseason. Well, I, I'm not going to take too much credit for that. All I did was just point him in the right direction and, and give him a few helpful tips. And uh, I'm just proud of him as a, as a guy that uh, is rooting for him and, and, and has tried to uh, just give him uh, a little encouragement from time to time. Uh, definitely proud of the work that he's put in because even aside from me, I just saw him put in the time and, and uh, in the off season and, and all that hard work is starting to pay off. And uh, I'm 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 like a big brother, just just watching him go out there and do his thing and and uh, filled with pride each and every time he makes a play. Train, you know, a guy like yourself had great size. Look at Chandler Jones. When you look at Hassan Reddick, and let's throw Marcus Golden there. You know, they're, they're not the biggest guys, but we know that the, when they got dog in them. How difficult is it for these smaller guys to try to get around the corner on some of these guys that left tackles where they have arms to their knees? Oh, it's easy. And one thing that we, we talk about is, is offensive linemen don't like to play below the belly button. And when you're low to the ground, you can use that to their advantage. And if a big offensive lineman is, is big, then he's probably slower. And if you're smaller, then you're probably quicker. So you have to use your... Uh, physical assets to your advantage. And I think for Hassan, he's been doing just that, and, and he's been uh, using what he's been blessed with to, to, to go and make plays and, and have an impact on his defense. And uh, it, it really isn't about a particular size that can be successful. It's, it's what you do with your size is what, what makes the difference in a defensive player or offensive player for that matter. So uh, for, for Hassan, I think he's just found that comfort level, and they, they put him in positions where he can just go. And as long as he's not having to, uh, to think and slow down too much, he can just go forward. A lot of what he did at Temple, which made him a first-round pick in the first place, you're seeing the true Hassan Reddick really shine now, and, and that's a great thing. When you talk about size, I think the same thing could be said about Buda Baker. He leads this Cardinals team with 59 tackles, two sacks, three quarterback hits, and he's got a forced fumble as well. Baker, uh, one of the many players, but certainly highlighted on the latest episode of Flight Plan, episode six, Raising the Bar, which dropped this past weekend on October 31st. Here's a quick clip. This has become his football team, and uh, it's not just a positional thing. It's not just a defensive thing. It's a Arizona Cardinal thing, and Buddha takes a lot of pride in that, and he is certainly the voice of this team right now. Breathe. Calm down. Let's calm down. Let's calm down, baby. Nobody means more to this football team than Buddha Baker, um, and uh, you can take that to the bank. All game. All game. The whole game. I don't know if I've ever seen a better football player than Buda Baker. I mean, he is, uh, it looks like there's three of them out there when he's playing. He, he kind of makes anybody right out there. If a mistake happens, he, he erases it. And uh, then just the attitude, the fearlessness, the toughness. I mean, he's everything you want. The voices you heard in that montage in addition to Baker wired up but you heard from the general manager Steve Keim, Larry Fitzgerald and of course head coach Cliff Kingsbury and that's heady praise especially when you have Fitz saying what he did about Baker like not only is he great defensively but he's become a face much like Kyler Murray on the face of this team not just one side of the ball or the other but the entire team. Well, you know, we don't get a chance to watch practice, but when we were here for training camp during the open portion, he, he 
practices the way he plays. And it's so when it comes to Sundays, it, it's come natural and easy for him. Now, along those lines, when it comes to Buda Baker, though, I mean, he, to me, he's a guy, if you go back to the uh, loss to the Panthers, who didn't they have in that game? Buda Baker. How much the uh, the tackling improve against the Jets, and it's carried over to the last couple of games? Buda Baker. You talk about the space eraser. This guy can blitz off the edge. He can cover a tight end. He can play center field. He comes in run support. So to me, he's the glue of the defense. And, and Baker goes, the defense goes. You can catch up on all Cardinals flight plan episodes. Go to youtube.com slash Cardinals. When we look at this defense as a whole, tied for 22nd overall, and that's when you're looking at yards per game. But that's not what defensive coordinator Vance Joseph looks at. He looks at third down, he looks at red zone, and he looks at scoring. And when you factor in all of those metrics, this team is a top 10 defense, number 7 in third down, number 2 in red zone, and number 9 in scoring. All good, but Vance Joseph wants more. Well, first of all, we can't give up big plays in a pass game. You know, that was one of our strengths, not giving up explosive plays, but the tackling wasn't great on Sunday night. The tackling has to get better, and uh, just the overall execution of the defense has to get better You know, for us moving forward to play good defense. He was talking B-Train about the Seahawks game, and I think a lot of that is just because of Russell Wilson and what that Seahawks offense has been able to do against anybody this season. Yet at the same time, I'm thoroughly impressed given the number of new faces for this defense to how everything has seemingly meshed at a very quick pace. Yeah, and I love the fact that, that Coach Joseph is not satisfied. And even though we've seen improvements and we've seen play at times where the defense has made plays to, to play to give this team a chance to win, uh, he's not satisfied with, with what they've seen thus far. He believes that they can get better, and that's what you want. You want your defensive coordinator, the leader of that side of the ball, to constantly push his players to get the most out of them. And, and he knows once you get into November and December – now you start positioning yourself for uh, football, for extra football, which is the playoffs. And so you have to be playing at a certain level once you get into the playoffs. And the Cardinals have a very good chance of getting into the playoffs as it stands. And, and he knows in order for them to do what they really want to do, which is make a run, uh, they're going to have to up their game uh, even more than what they already have. The fact that they uh, forced Russell Wilson to start pressing and make mistakes, I mean, he only gave up seven points in the second half. He was bringing five and six, and kind of sounds like that's what he wants to do to to create a pass rush, and also you don't want the quarterback to get comfortable in the pocket. So there's different ways, but what they did in the second half, I mean, in the end, Kyler Murray outplayed Russell Wilson. Give the Cardinals defense because they confused him. You Normally when you're watching the Seahawks in the fourth quarter and they got the ball last four minutes in the game, you're thinking they're going to score. That didn't happen this time. Well, his three interceptions that Russell Wilson threw were as many as he had thrown all season long up until that point. And the biggest one that we all point to is the Isaiah Simmons one in overtime that helped set up Zane Gonzalez for the game-winning kick because that was the one that was, if anyone on that defense was going to make the play, us having Simmons do it certainly stood out. Well, and everyone was wondering why he only was out there for that certain down and distance. 
Vance told us they had more packages for him. The problem was Seattle didn't face a lot of third downs. They were getting yards on first and second down in the first half they were scoring, so they didn't have a lot of third downs. Here he gets in the game, and again, Tanner Vallejo, great run stuff, uh, back-to-back plays to obviously put the Seahawks in a passing situation. Yeah, the Seahawks one of three on third down in the first half. Four of ten in the second half in overtime, and it was those ten opportunities that Coach Joseph was talking about. Need to, uh, forgot to, but need to let everyone know when we talked about Buda Baker, NFC Defensive Player of the Month for October. And they only played in three games because he missed that one game because of thumb surgery. Did not play week four against Carolina. And by the way, he won Defensive Player of the Month honors while wearing a cast. I believe that cast is still on his thumb. We'll see coming up this weekend when the Cardinals host the Dolphins. Speaking of Miami, we will touch on the team right now that is certainly making a lot of noise, not just in the AFC, but the AFC East as well. Two a time coming to Arizona. That's straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Shotgun, back to throw, looking, blitz, touchdown! Parker! How about a little Tua touchdown? How about that? Yeah. Boy, did this team need that. Now you have the answer to a a long-time question, trivia question, who caught Tua's first touchdown? And it's Devontae Parker. Dolphins surprised many over the weekend beating the Rams in Miami as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Craig Riolu, Mike Jarecki, and Bertram Berry. And yes, the Miami Dolphins next up for the Cardinals. 225 is the kickoff from State Farm Stadium. 9.30 a.m. The pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. The Dolphins 4-3. and three. They've won three in a row, beating the Rams for that third straight victory. 28-17. to 17. Tua Tungabaloa, his first career start. The numbers aren't going to wow you. He finished with 93 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions, but certainly ran an efficient offense in the bottom line. He got the job done. He picked up the win in his first career start. He certainly impressed head coach Cliff Kingsbury. I doubt it was a very hard sell. I mean, Tua's a tremendously talented player. Um, I'm a huge Ryan Fitzpatrick fan, but they drafted Tua to play, and I think they probably had a plan all along to um, let him learn and, and you know get his feet wet a little along the way, and then they were going to insert him in the lineup and, and roll with it. And so I, I respect that they had a plan. They've implemented it, and, and uh, obviously last week they had success with it. Well, B-Train 1-0 with Tua at the quarterback helm, but a lot of what people are talking about with the Dolphins is their defense. The number one scoring defense after being dead last a year ago. They are averaging just under 19 points a contest or allowing just under 19 points a contest, and it's going to be a great matchup as far as the Cardinals offense against that Dolphins defense. And the one thing that I, I love about that defense in Miami in particular, it's a lot like the, the 72 uh, undefeated Miami Dolphins and 73 where they're winning championships. It's kind of a no-name defense. You don't have a lot of big names, but they play together as a unit. And they're young, they're scrappy, they, they give that extra effort, and, and they're constantly uh, trying to get that ball out. And, and that's the type of defense that is always is contagious because even though you may not get the ball out, just the fact that you got that all-out effort, that's going to be a problem. So I know Coach Kingsbury and company have their hands full on the offensive side trying to figure out 
how they can 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 really neutralize uh, that that young aggressive defense that they have out there in South Beach. They've already beat the Rams. They've already beat the 49ers. They lost to the Seahawks. You mentioned on the three-game winning streak. Um, you know, Brian Flores, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't question, but, hey, why would you go to Miami? They're tanking. Uh, they're not tanking. And, and clearly they're a much better football team. Look how they played in the second half of the season. And he went back to the New England game plan where they shut Sean McVay and Jared Goff down, held them to the three points in the Super Bowl. And I asked Cliff about uh, – their defense today, and they're fast. They only have two guys that are over 30, 30 years old. It's B-Train described it quite well. They don't have household names. They got money guys in the secondary, but they fly around. They're physical. They got speed on defense. So this is going to be an interesting matchup because Flores, is obviously his background is taking away your strength and making it a weakness, and that's something the Cardinals have to be aware of come Sunday afternoon. They spent a lot of money in free agency this offseason on that defense. Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy, and you look, B-Train, that defense on Sunday forced four turnovers, including a fumble return for a score. They were able to get after Jared Goff and make him very uncomfortable in the pocket. No question they were able to get, they were able to get after Jared Goff. And, and the one thing that I was impressed with is that it wasn't just defense. They found a way to score on special teams. They mm-hmm. found unusual ways to score. So that's going to present a problem. Now, of course, you don't assume that that's going to happen every week. But from a defensive standpoint, you can always be aggressive. You can always fly around and have multiple guys to the ball. That's, that's just an attitude. That's just a, a business operation. That's how we get down. And as long as, as Coach Flores is there, that's what he expects from that defense. And they've responded. And they've responded in a great way to where they're over 500 and, and they're vying for an opportunity to potentially – Dare I say, win the AFC East? I mean, that's something that the Patriots had a strong stranglehold on for lots of years, but it seems to be up for grabs in 2020. Yeah, right now the Buffalo Bills atop that division. The Dolphins in second place right on their heels. Be the Dolphins' first visit to the Valley since 2012. Cardinals won that contest 24-21 in overtime. They don't make a lot of appearances here at State Farm Stadium, but they will this coming Sunday, and then we'll talk about it next week here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Special thanks to those behind the scenes, Senior Broadcast Manager and Producer Jim Omohundro, Technical Director Cody Fincher. For Mike Jarecki, Bertram Berry, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you in one week's time. The second half of the season begins on Sunday right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Middle of the field of the end zone. Kirk, he got it. He's in. Touchdown. Buda Baker with the sack. Stripped the ball. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown. Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.